1: It's happy hour on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on SiriusXM XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we've got Major League Baseball picks. It's a big card today, and we'll give you our early leans, best bets coming up. We also have two great guests. NBC Sports' Jessica Kleinschmidt going to help us break down Major League Baseball, especially on the West Coast. Then we have Cam Rogers, who's going to break down the PGA for us coming up this weekend at the Wyndham Championship. First, it's our West Coast wake-up. We're going back to the Los Angeles Dodgers game on the road at the Philadelphia Phillies. Although this game was earlier in the night because it was in Philadelphia, the Dodgers still do prevail, winning 5 nothing as the heavy road favorites against this Phillies team. The Phillies do have the best run line record when it comes to the rate. They were at 13-5 and yesterday on the run line when booked as a home dog, yet doesn't apply because they don't cover the run line here at plus 1.5 against the Dodgers who went again 5 nothing. then.
2: And it was snapping that Philadelphia eight-game winning streak. So a big series this week in Philly between the Phils and the Dodgers. Now the Phils because the Braves won yesterday only a one-game lead in that National League East. The Dodgers, the second-best record in the NL, still trend. The San Francisco Giants in that NL West. The Giants also Going back and forth, back and forth with the D-backs yesterday, but then walking it off in the ninth for a win, 8-7 to over the D-backs. So still hold a four-game lead over the Dodgers. But this series, Ariel, two opposite divisions. The NL East, not exactly the best, but very much in contention right now. The NL West, the best division possibly in all of baseball, but also in contention, a very important series. A big win for the Dodgers to get it started yesterday. The Phillies ending that eight-game winning streak.
1: Yesterday, the shortstop for the Dodgers, Trey Turner, spoke out after the game. Here's what he had to say after the win.
2: Yeah, just trying to get good pitches to hit, and not miss them. Um, you know, I felt like my first two at bats, um, you know, I got some pitches to hit, fouled them off, and then, um, you know, I got one lucky hit, and you know, my fourth at bat, but my third at bat, I felt like I got a good pitch to hit, and you know, didn't miss it. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And um, you know, I felt like when we got to the bullpen, we just, you know, um, didn't miss our pitches. And you know, Corey got us going with that homer, and um, we just kept up kept rolling from there.
1: Turner came over at the trade deadline from the Washington Nationals over to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Ever since going to L.A., he's had a hit in three out of his four games. He's hitting over 300 with the Dodgers. A big addition for this Dodgers team, Ben, who has been dealing with injuries, especially with their star player like Mookie Betts.
2: And Trey Turner also had one of the coolest slides you will ever see. If you haven't seen this video or gif by now, he just like levitates across home plate. It's one of the coolest things you will ever see. Trey Turner, who is hitting above 300 this year, bringing that into LA, adding another right-handed bat to an already very dangerous LA Dodgers lineup has been huge. And the other acquisition at the trade deadline was the starter yesterday for the Dodgers, of course, Max Scherzer from the Washington Nationals. And Trey talked about it right there, getting to the Phillies bullpen, which ranks bottom five in all of Major League Baseball was near the bottom really one or two spots for most of the MLB season has improved as of late tried to make a couple of deals at the deadline to strengthen that bullpen but that is the weaker part of this Philadelphia Phillies team and Trey Turner mentioned getting to that bullpen and it's a good thing they did because there was a weather delay yesterday in Philadelphia between the Dodgers and the Phillies. But prior to that weather delay, it was a pitching duel because Scherzer had six strikeouts in three and a third scoreless innings. Aaron Nola, who is so much better at home in Philadelphia than he is on the road, had seven strikeouts in four scoreless innings. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, the third and final hour of the morning after you are listening on Sirius XM, Channel 204, or on the West Coast for our West Coast Wake Up, talking talking Dodger baseball, the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast as well. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. So it was a pitcher's duel early on, Ariel, before that weather delay. Unfortunately, we did get to see those two guys, Max Scherzer and Aaron Nola, continue to battle it out throughout this game because of that rain that happened in Philly. But once it went to the bullpen, the weaker part of that Phillies team, the Dodgers took advantage, winning a big game yesterday, snapping that Phil's eight-game winning streak.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate that their hottest pitcher had to suffer from a rain delay in Aaron Nola. This is why it's important for both these teams. The Phillies are only one game up on the Atlanta Braves in the National League East. The Los Angeles Dodgers are four games back of the San Francisco Giants in the National League West. Both these teams trying to get into or stay in first place. It's amazing how much the National League East has flipped with the Mets two games back now of first place. But switching Mm. to the NL and the NL West, Four games back the Dodgers, seven games back the Padres. The Giants still holding firm in that one spot, Ben.
2: And still, as we say, which, which is our Giants segment pretty much, and still having plus money when it comes to the NLS divisional boards right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We talked to John Sheeran about this on Monday, the FanDuel Trading director. It's pretty interesting that still... The Giants have a plus money price. The Giants continue to get it done. It wasn't a pretty game yesterday against the D-backs. They led 5-1 to one early. The D-backs came back to tie it 5-5. Five to five. The Giants took a lead at 7-5. to five. By the way, Ariel, the best run line team in baseball on that live run line last night when it was tied 5-5 five, five in the 7th. The Giants were getting plus 185 to cover the run line. They go up 7-5. The D-backs come back to tie it, and then the Giants walk off. So, didn't cover that run line, but still... A very profitable team in the San Francisco Giants and still somehow a plus money price to win a division. They have a four game lead on and we have less than 50 games left in this Major League Baseball season. It doesn't make sense to me, but FanDuel's sticking with it.
1: I will, like, I don't want to say I would laugh because I do, I like the story of the Giants. I just think it would be funny if, after all this time, we've been yelling at FanDuel to flip these lines and give the Giants the respect they deserve, that the Dodgers just have the most epic September ever and don't lose a game for yeah. the rest of the year, and they end up beating the Giants out for the National League West. It would just be oh, future tellers. Stay right here. We're going to continue with baseball coming up next year on the morning after Back on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevenson, Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Jessica Kleinschmidt from NBC Sports. So excited to have her on because we have not spoken since probably the preseason. And now we're underway here mm. in Major League Baseball, getting closer and closer to the playoffs. One team that you do cover is the San Francisco Giants, Jess, and this team has been the upset team of the year. They have been the surprise team for sure probably going to pass their win total from the preseason within the next week or so. Jess what is it about this Giants team that's so much more that's so much better than we expected?
3: You know, it's funny that you mentioned we haven't talked since the preseason. The fact that this Giants team is doing what they do, I couldn't even fathom it back then. Um, and remind you, they were successful before even acquiring Chris Bryant at the trade deadline. And I was actually very impressed with the older guys. You have Brandon Crawford being very uh, productive, and Evan Longoria before he was injured was super productive. But the pitching kind of surprised me as well. There, you know, Johnny Cueto is being more Reds Johnny Cueto, which is really wonderful. And Brandon Belt just got off the IL, and he's just literally hitting home runs every single time since returning. Their young guys are obviously really good, and even Mike Yastrzemski finally coming into his own once again. So we haven't even seen the best of these Giants, and I'm not taking anything away from the NL West, but of course the Dodgers and the Padres aren't exactly the team that we were kind of anticipating, but after the trade deadline acquiring Scherzer and Trey Turner, I think it's going to be a little bit more interesting heading down the stretch, but everything's really working for them. So whatever Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris did in the offseason, it's paying off.
2: Jess, we have a segment here on the morning after around the San Francisco Giants that we call and still because throughout this entire Major League Baseball season, we have been shocked not only that the Giants are performing the way they are, they still can't seem to get the respect in the betting markets because we have less than 50 games left in this Major League Baseball season and still the Giants have the best record in baseball and still have a four game lead in the National League West and still aren't even the favorite to win that division on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So I ask you, Jessica, when will the Giants get some respect?
3: Um, maybe you're asking the wrong person because in the Bay Area, they're certainly gaining a lot of respect. Even when in the Bay Area, if the Giants aren't doing well, the, the fans are still kind of showing up for them. I think it has a lot to do with the division. I mean, especially after the, the trade deadline, which you want to think that the Chris Bryant acquisition kind of sealed the deal for them. And not just the fact that this was a trade Um in this type of scenario because i really think that they want to make something work probably long term but i think it has to do with the division um and once tati jr comes back that's going to be a game changer as well and the A's have actually faced the padres quite a bit lately so i got to watch them kind of close up and they're more than just a good team they're a scrappy team when you have that scrappy team kind of heading down toward the postseason push it just really is a game changer so i think it all has to do with the division at this moment
1: NBC Sports Jessica Kleinschmidt here talking about the West Coast side of baseball. Moving into the AL West, the Oakland Athletics, if anyone's watching, you see the Oakland Athletics jersey behind her. The Athletics are two games back of the Houston Astros in the division. Jess, the Athletics' Achilles' heel is always the playoffs. I mean, it's like one round and done. What's different about this Athletics team?
3: I think last season really helped them. Yes, it was a compacted season, but I think they still would have won the division despite only having 60 games. But we just acquired, they just acquired Starling Marte, and he is straight up a game changer. If you look at his numbers since just the second half alone, the guys, I think, batting over 400, the most steals in the game right now and just very consistent, but the guy can hit oppo, which is very, very important these days. I don't think we talk about that skill enough. And to add to it, a lot of the versatility on the team, they have Josh Harrison, who they also acquired uh, during the trade deadline, and you have Tony Kemp and Chad Pinder, who's due to be healthy soon. Those guys are very versatile, and they come through clutch off the mat, off the bench, and that's super important in some of these things. And y'all, Jed, sorry, I know you have a lot of New York fans, but Jed Lowry, that guy can actually hit balls when runners are in scoring position and it's kind of that's I know you mentioned the playoffs are kind of the ace snafu but The runners in scoring position is just as intense and kind of a thorn in their side. So with Jed Lowry stepping up, it's been great. And they actually have a really, knock on wood, durable starting rotation right now. A.J. Puck is finally back. He's going to get some bullpen looks and everything like that. So if you look across the board, it's kind of cool heading into the trade deadline. They didn't need any uh, starting pitching acquisitions, which is super rare, not just for the A's, but across the board in the league as well. So they kind of have everything going for them. And that veteran presence, I think, is definitely going to help them down the postseason stretch as well.
2: So, Jessica, like Ariel mentioned, the A's are two games back in the AL West. They have a one game lead at the top of the wild card standings right now in the American League. How much of an emphasis are the A's putting on trying to win the AL West division to not have to play in that one game wild card scenario?
4: Well,
3: I think they don't want me to have another heart attack having to watch them play in the wild card game. <laughs> and last year, was, you know, obviously that weird scenario where they had a wild card series and they ended up winning a wild card game, which is great. But I think that's what it comes down to. If you look in the past, historically, the A's struggle in that wild card game. As much as it's fun to watch one of those one and done types of scenarios, we're going to see how the playoffs actually look this year. Um, but that's a big deal, too. And I think they're on a five game winning streak at the moment. And when it comes to the Astros, we're going to be paying. Paying attention more to the Astros, how they're doing against the other teams, because the Astros are still hit and miss. They don't even have Alex Breg- Bregman back. And when you have Carlos Correa in the postseason, that's going to be a big deal as well. Um, and you have to look at the Yankees, how they're going to be doing, because they're certainly have, have their eyes on the AL wild card game as well. Um, but it's about hopefully crossing their fingers enough where they don't have to participate in that wild card game. As much as it's fun and crazy as, as a fan, like there's one time I dropped a beer or a taquito fell in my hair during a wild card game, and I <laughs> It's just it's it's good vibes, but like when you're when you're when you have to talk to the team afterwards, it's just it's it's not a good vibe. So I would I would like that to not be the scenario come around. They could just take the division and have not have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, best of five or best of seven is way better than a best of one type of series. Now you do cover both these teams. You cover Oakland. You cover San Francisco. If you had to say one of these teams is going to win the division, who is more likely to do so?
3: Man, Ariel, you know I don't have any children, and this is probably the equivalent of picking your favorite child, Um, but I'm going to have to say, but we all know that you have a favorite child. The parents watching, they know you have a favorite child. I would probably still put my money on the A's. I really think the Dodgers and the Padres are going to come out guns blazing toward the end, and if not them... There's always those teams in the division, maybe the ALS too, like the Angel just all of a sudden gonna win eight or nine games just to like piss the rest of the division off. But I still would have to put my money <laughs> on, on the A's winning the division.
2: So Jessica, out of those two teams, hopefully both the A's and the Giants in one form or another in the postseason, which do you think of those two, San Francisco or Oakland, can make a deeper playoff run?
3: You guys really want to stress me out today. <laughs> I I would say Giants in that case, because as much as the veteran presence the A's have on their team, the Giants have second to none some of the best postseason, you know, availability when it comes to Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey, those guys know how to handle the postseason. And even with all those young guys, they're kind of able to kind of keep them around. They know how to come up clutch in the scenarios and the game plans they have to use. It'll be kind of interesting to see how Gabe Kapler handles those scenarios. But I have a lot of faith in him, too. And you have somebody like Farhan Zaidi, who is used to those um, scenarios, his past with the Dodgers and the A's. And, of course, Scott Harris, who has his past with the Cubs. So I think I think the A's have the better chance of making it to the playoffs, but I worry about them elongating their playoff run, but I feel like the Giants could handle more of a longer postseason appearance, if you will.
1: Veteran presence, always important, and you're a veteran out there on the West Coast. Josh. just about 30 seconds. What's coming up next for you? I know you're always working on some big projects.
3: I have no idea. There's so much. Um, I'm still hosting all A's. That's been really fun. Um, basically, wanting y'all to get a look at the A's players underneath their uniforms um, and it, that's, you know, their hearts underneath their uniforms as opposed to just their slash lines. That's been really fun. Um, some cool podcast appearances up in the works and then just everything A's pre and post game stuff. So I've been busy. And then, of course, everything on NBC Sports Bay Area. Make sure you give the A's some attention. They deserve it.
1: They do. Only two games back of the Houston Astros. And we have our radio audience out on the West Coast at 1090 The Mightier. So make sure to tune in to Jess Kleinschmidt at NBC Sports. Thanks for coming on with us. Good luck to both your teams, the Giants and the A's. And we'll talk to you later on as we get close to the postseason. Thanks, guys. Coming up next, we're going to go through our Major League Baseball predictions. We've got the MLB card for today's slate. Ben and I are going to give you our best bets on that MLB card. Stay right here on The Grid On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. I really am excited for football, but my producer, Alex Casano, is really me, making me remember why me and Alex don't get along in the football season. So here we go. But anyway, we're right. going to talk Major League Baseball because I don't feel like fighting with him. First, just make sure to follow us on social media. Maybe Alex and I will go at it on the Sports Grid page. Sports Grid, Sports Grid TV. We're on your TV, we're on your radio and your phone too. So go to Twitter, follow us SportsGrid SportsGrid TV to stay on the grid wherever you go. We're going to go through our Major League Baseball props, favorite bets of the day, which means that we're going to the K props. <laughs> My favorite strikeout prop of the day goes to the San Francisco Giants starter, Kevin Gossman. He's up against Arizona, who has the eighth highest strikeout rate in baseball, striking out just over 24% of the time. The Diamondbacks road dogs in San Francisco. The Giants are laying heavy juice, minus 270 on FanDuel. Third highest strikeout rate for Arizona in the last 30 days, striking out just about 25% of the time. And fifth highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitchers. With all that said, any time that Gossman's gone up against the team with a top 10 carry rate against the righty, he's been averaging just about seven strikeouts per game. I'm going to say Gossman goes over this strikeout of six and a half for his strikeout prop. It's only minus 102 on FanDuel. Go grab it now before the juice gets heavier on that over. Ben, what do you got?
2: Ariel Jessica Kleinschmidt who was our last guest on this show covers both the Giants and the A's and look at us our first two K props of the day are going to be the Giants and the A's you like Kevin Gossman for Sam Fran today I go to Oakland starter Frankie Montas and his six and a half K prop against the Cleveland Indians I had to remind myself who the opponent was The six and a half has a ton of juice on the over currently at minus 126 now This is an interesting K prop number and I think we need to examine it and I would love your thoughts prop queen on if you like this K prop or not because overall this year Cleveland has the 15th highest K rate against right handed pitching at 23.7% but since the all star break that number has come way up to about 25% the sixth highest mark in all of Major League Baseball against right handed pitching but in the last week and a half specifically it has come back down again right near the bottom 10K rate at 22.3%. But Frank Montas himself has been tearing it up lately in his last five starts. The lowest amount of strikeouts he has had in his last five starts was seven against the Cleveland Indians, which would still be over this number of six and a half. But outside of those seven, he has had 10 strikeouts three times and eight strikeouts in the other. In his last five starts in total, he is averaging 9Ks per start. So I still lean the over with Frankie Montas in that six-and-a-half number against the Cleveland Indians today, despite the fact in the last week-and-a-half, two weeks, Cleveland's strikeout rate against right-handed pitching is only 22.3%. Ariel Epstein, what do you say to that number in going to the over of Frankie Montas in that six-and-a-half strikeout?
1: The only thing that scares me is regarding the recency. If you're not striking out Mm. as much, and Cleveland wasn't a strikeout prone team until after the All-Star break, then it started to slow down. So it's one thing if you just get in this streak where you stop striking out a lot, but you really have been striking out for the most part this year, Cleveland hasn't really been that team, so that's my only hesitancy. Chicago Cubs are similar to that, but they've been more consistent with strikeouts. The Cubs have had the most strikeouts since the second half of the season started, but now they're down to the third highest K rate in baseball, second highest K rate against right-handed pitchers, and the Cubs are a team that I'm targeting. They're at home where they do strike out more up against Milwaukee's uh, one of the best starters actually was up there for the Cy Young earlier in the year, Corbin Burns. He was leading in strikeouts for a while this year, and Burns against teams with a top 10 K rate. San Francisco, he only struck out five batters. However, he had six against Atlanta, eight against the Mets, 13 against Arizona, seven against Detroit, nine against Miami, and 10 against the Cubs way earlier in the season. I'm going to say Burns goes over his K prop as long as it's around his eight and eight and a half. I don't think I'd want to go to that double-digit range where I'm expecting a 10-strikeout mm. performance. But if you're giving me 8.5, which isn't posted yet on FanDuel, I would keep an eye out for it. That would be my key number for the over for Bruins. What about you, Ben?
2: This game took a while to just be posted on the FanDuel Sportsbook's oh no. Major League Baseball card today. And it's still not the K prop. We have the run line in total out. And the total is 10 at Wrigley Field. The money line though is locked. I saw it when it first popped up. The Brewers were favored at -320 with Corbin Burns on the bump against Jake Arrieta and the Triple-A Chicago Cubs. So I I mean, it's interesting that it's taken a while to get these numbers out there. I agree with you. I think it's going to be high. I think it will be an eight and a half on Corbin Burns. I wish it was going to be a little bit lower because he hasn't been as great with his strikeout numbers where he was earlier in the year. I mean, there was a time about midway through where we are right now this Major League Baseball season. Corbin Burns was second in Major League Baseball in K per nine inning rate only trailing Jacob deGrom when Jacob deGrom was healthy and was the favorite to win the NL Cy Young. He was at plus, it was over 14 in terms of his K per nine inning rate, which is absolutely outstanding. He's come back a little bit, but depending on the number, I still like that target against the Chicago Cubs today. My next K prop that I like, and I actually think, I'm not going to say this because now it's not going to hit, but I think I might be getting a slight edge on the market when you really dive into the home road splits of the opposing team today that Framber Valdez, the starter for Houston, is facing in the Colorado Rockies. Now the Rockies are a very interesting team. Probably the most drastic home road splits In all of Major League Baseball, when you compare Coors Field to everywhere they play away from Colorado, but especially when you look at the strikeout rate, because this year for the Rockies, they have the lowest strikeout rate in all of Major League Baseball against right-handed pitching at home this year throughout the entire year at 19.2%, but away it is 26.3%. That is the fourth highest. Since the All-Star break at home, the Rockies are only striking out 15% of the time, by far the lowest number in all of Major League Baseball. But away, it's actually up from where it is overall this year at 27.6% the third-highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitching away from Coors Field. Now the Rockies are on the road today in Houston against Framber Valdez, whose K-Prop number is 5.5. It's even money to the over, plus at plus 100. Valdez has gone over this number in four of his last seven starts and in two straight. So I think maybe I'm getting a small edge on a smaller number because you're facing the Rockies who don't strike out a ton overall. But the most drastic home road splits you will see when it comes to that K rate against right-handed pitching in all of Major League Baseball. At Coors Field, they hardly strike out at all, especially since the All-Star break. But away from home, that number is up there around 26 27%.
1: You did say that when we signed on today. You said, I have this strikeout that I think I really like, and I have no opinion on that game, so all the power to you. Mm. It's definitely going against the trend, but the Colorado Rockies, you're right, definitely strike out more on the road than they do at home. Now, speaking of at home, the Baltimore Orioles are a team we spoke about in the first hour of our show. They have the most overs in Major League Baseball in Camden Yards, uh, with the overhitting at about 64 65%. It's Matt Harvey versus Tariq Skubalp today against the Detroit Tigers, who are the road team, road favorites, actually, in Camden Yards. I'm going to go with the Orioles' team total over four and a half runs. Mm. Now, I'm going to take a look at the odds now, because I did see it move in Baltimore's favor overnight. Yeah, it's still at plus 100. So it was a slight movement, plus 102, moves to plus 100 on Baltimore. Detroit's still favored. With the slight movement in Baltimore's favor, I'm going to take their team total over because Scoble on the road is averaging, is allowing an average of just over six runs per game to his opponents for team totals. And when I say allowing, again, I always mess this up when I explain it. So Scoble isn't exactly the one that's allowed the earned runs, but the team totals against him when he's on the road is an average of just over six runs per game. That's combined for what he's allowed and, of course, with the bullpen the Orioles team totals is averaging just over five runs per game it's a slight edge there and this is all second half numbers it's a slight edge there for the Orioles team total of four and a half you're telling me that they average about five runs per game so I'm going to say that the Orioles with this with a total in the full game of 10 the Orioles are going to hit their over four and a half for their team total Ben anything else for today
2: Ariel, I actually like targeting the Orioles team total here as opposed to the game total overall because Matt Harvey, although you look at Matt Harvey and you see he has a plus six ERA all year long, and you think, well, this is going to be like a 20-run ball game between these two. Matt Harvey in his last four starts has been a lot better. Three straight shutouts prior to his last start against the Yankees. It was only like four and a third or four and two thirds, and he only gave up two earned runs. It was a short outing, but still. He has been a lot better here over the late part of July than he was early on in this Major League Baseball season, so something to keep in mind when you look at that total overall. The Orioles yesterday became the top over percentage at home in all of Major League Baseball at 64.7%. The second most, and who has been that team for most of the year, is the team that plays their home games in Anaheim, the Angels, at 64.3% of their home games, hitting towards the over. They are taking on the best, or second best offense in all of baseball in the Toronto Blue Jays all year long. The second best since the all-star break but the intriguing thing about Toronto is Ariel they have the highest under percentage on the road this year at nearly 61.8%. So you have the team with the second highest over percentage at home in the Angels taking on the team with the highest under percentage on the road in the Toronto Blue Jays of course through the most part of this year Toronto was playing down in Dunedin, Florida at a spring training park and then in Buffalo at a minor league park. So that affecting maybe some of the offensive numbers and the overs overall for the Toronto Blue Jays. You could look at the game total overall, which is 9.5, or the Blue Jays' team total at 5. I would not go to the Angels' team total. They are taking on the young stud for the Toronto Blue Jays, Alec Manoa. So it's either the game total going over 9.5 or just Toronto's team total going over 5 that I like today.
1: I also may be going, I'm not sure yet, but Philly run line, they're 13-5, and five, hitting at 76% when booked as a home dog. Also, after a loss, they're hitting at just under 58% on the run line, only minus 140 to life for taking the one and a half run. Lastly, if you do see that meds game posted right now on FanDuel, it's because it was a suspended game. It's going to be played again at 4 o'clock Eastern time. The reason it's still up there is because your bets last 24 hours for a suspended game, so your bet is still live unless the game Here on the Morning After on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein, our final guest, as always, on a Wednesday. It's Cam Rogers to, make, to break down the PGA. Now, Cam, we have the Wyndham Championship coming up this weekend. What are the keys for Cam on the Wyndham Championship?
4: What's going on, guys? The final PGA tour event before the FedEx Cup playoffs. High stakes affair. One big-time field, 156 players, duking it out this week at Sedgefield Country Club, Greensboro, North Carolina. It's a par 70, 7,100 yards. We're back on Bermuda grass greens. This is a classic Donald Ross-designed golf course. And if you've been following the content out there in the golf world, you have certainly heard this name. Webb Simpson, the betting favorite, 12 to 1. You might Mm. as well call this event the Webb Simpson Open because he has been absolutely elite at this tournament. And, in fact, he named his daughter Wyndham after the Wyndham Championship. So I think he likes this tournament. But you know what? I like a lot of other guys this week as well down the betting board. I think we'll get into that here in this segment. But, obviously, it's a low-scoring affair, a lot of birdies. So you want those good putters. Those good iron players. And, of course, there's a lot of data at this golf course, too, because they've played here since 2007. So plenty of course history as well. I'm looking at that this
2: week. So, Cam, you brought that up. The betting favorite right now is Webb Simpson. He has named his daughter Wyndham. Do you think he is your outright pick for this week or at least provides value when you look at the future's outrights?
4: Yeah, of course, value is all relative, right? If you are hell-bent on believing that Webb Simpson is going to win the Wyndham Championship this week, by all means, put your cash down on him. No reason for me to talk you out of it. A winner back in 2011, T2 in 2018, second in 2019. Hasn't missed a cut here in his last 10 starts. Positive iron player, by the way, coming off the WGC last week. So, somewhat recent form, but if you look at his entire resume so far in this calendar year it really hasn't been all that great for web simpson standards in fact we haven't really talked much about him guys on your very program at all so he's somebody that somewhat worries me especially when he's the favorite at 12 to 1 and we're talking about an outright in golf which is so darn hard to begin with i'm staying off web simpson personally just because i don't perceive that value there at that 12 to 1 number But, again, if you are just sold that he is going to win this week, go ahead, put your money down on him. I would not talk you out of it.
1: Cam, I know we brought this up in the commercial break, and I know that none of us here really work for Vandal. We don't set the lines, but it is interesting we don't see any props out for the Wyndham Championship. You can bet finishing position. You can bet outright winners. What is it about the Wyndham Championship that either isn't going to have props posted or is reasoning for the delay on posting props?
4: You know, it's interesting. I thought maybe last week would have been the event where FanDuel did not put props out there because a smaller field, a lot easier to predict things. So how much money are the sports books really going to make off this? So it is interesting to see that this week at the Wyndham Championship. I will say it is a unique event in that there are a lot of guys who are highly motivated to get to a certain position. And by that, I mean the PGA Tour actually released a list of the minimal position for a player outside that top 125 to get inside that top 125. So, for instance, Scott Piercy is squarely on that number at 125. Mm. He needs to finish 34th or better to get inside uh, that number to be guaranteed, shall I say, into the FedEx Cup playoffs. So, you have to wonder if motivation is somewhat at play here. Like, let's say Scott Piercy is, you know, 32nd on Sunday right? Maybe he doesn't go as aggressively. He plays it conservatively to get you know, just around that number and scoot on over to the FedEx Cup playoffs. He doesn't turn it on, if you will, the rest of that Sunday. I think maybe that's a possibility. It's kind of a wonky event in that regard. So it's hard for the sportsbooks out there to put a line on something like those props and those matchups because you have to factor in the motivation this week. For instance, Patrick Reed withdrew from this event because he has no reason to play in it. So that's something to keep in mind here this week. Some guys are playing as well because of sponsor obligations. You know, somebody like a Louis Oosthuizen has no reason to play here. So that's something to keep in mind.
2: Kim, it would seem like a good event for tournament props, like top European player or top American, whatever it might be. Also a good tournament for match bets, and maybe those will come up throughout the week or maybe even over the weekend for some live betting scenarios. But I think it's also, like you mentioned, a great tournament for finishing position bets because you will need guys to get inside the top 10, top 20, if they want to extend their season and head into the playoffs. So what are some of your favorite finishing position bets for the Wyndham Championship?
4: Yeah, I'll be watching FanDuel throughout the day, guys, but it sounds like my betting card, sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook, if you will, will be filled with these finishers here. So I'll start with some top tens. Patton Kazire, how about a a bomb here, plus 850 to make it happen. He's two times the better putter on Bermuda grass greens as compared to any other surface. So he likes this surface. And he's typically a good putter in his own right on any other type of grass, but especially on Bermuda. He's first in this field in birdies or better within the last 24 rounds. I like Patton Kazire to make it happen inside the top 10. Remember guys, we have a lot of long shots winning this event. If you go back the last few years, Jim Herman just last year, for instance. Ryan Harmon for another top 10 here, plus 260. I love him this week, guys. Certainly has some outright value as well. Sixth in this field in birdies or better. There are just two players in the field this week who rank top 30 in the following. Fairways gained, birdies are better gained, and strokes gained total on easy scoring golf courses. One of those players is Brian Harmon. I'll tell you the other one in a minute here. Top 20, Ches Revie plus 360. Over the past 24 rounds, sixth in strokes, gained T to green, ninth in approach, 10th on par fours, four top 25s in his past eight starts. He loves shorter golf courses. 360 for a top 20 for Ches Reevey. I like that play a lot. Yeah. Russell Henley. Should be in for a good week this week, guys. I've got him for a safe top 20 as well, plus 185. Consistent player has a slew of top 20 finishes on the PGA Tour this year. I know he's coming up a missed cut at the Open Championship, but I'm not really too concerned about that. Totally different style of golf out there. And then a few more top 20s for you guys. Here's my 12 to 1 bomb. Michael Gellerman, 24th in this field and good drive percentage in the last 24 rounds the best iron player if you go back the last 20 rounds the best approach player factoring in proximity to the hole if you go back the last 24 rounds so he's giving himself opportunities he just needs to cash in on them with his putter and by the way he has a t16 on his resume at the 3m open not too long ago 12 to 1 michael gellerman and then finally Joel Damon plus 360. I told you that stat about Brian Harmon ranking inside the top 30 in fairways birdies and strokes game total on easy golf courses. Joel Damon is the other one. So I'll take that number at plus 360
1: everyone loves a good long shot cam rogers here on the morning after breaking down the Wyndham championship first round is always an interesting cap because it's a different style it's not who's going to last throughout the weekend it's who's going to start off strong who would you look to for a first round top finisher
4: yeah there are some guys that i like a lot and remember you want to look at those elite putters who have really good short course history and somebody like a Kevin Streelman is one of those guys. He's somebody who is an elite ball striker in my opinion. He's got a nice fat number on FanDuel Sportsbook as we stand to be the first round leader, 55 to one. That's actually longer than the likes of Robert McIntyre, Siwoo Kim, who just had a 13 on a hole last week, Kevin Kisner, so Kevin Streelman has really good course history here. I think he is certainly viable for a first round leader and then actually going longer than that, this is really interesting. Gary Woodland is actually my outright pick to win this week. Might as well bet him and run it back there with a the first-round leader bet. 60-1 to, to be the first-round leader. He's a guy who is coming off a really good finish at the Barracuda Championship last week. That was the alternate PGA Tour event alongside the WGC. Gained strokes with his irons in six of his last seven events. Ninth in this field in birdies or better. And he's actually one of those guys who bombs it off the tee. But actually, plays really well on the shorter golf courses. Why is that? Well, for some of these bombers, it's a relief to club down a little bit. Hit that three wood, hit that five wood, whatever it is, a driving iron, and still be long, but accurate. And so Gary Woodland makes some sense for a first round leader. And then I'll do the feel good story here Ricky Fowler. He's got a lot of motivation, guys. 55 to 1 to be the first round leader. He is outside the FedEx Cup playoff bubble. He has never missed the FedEx Cup playoffs. Could be the first time, but he's motivated this week. Maybe he goes low starting tomorrow.
2: So, Cam, not only will this week be important for trying to qualify for the FedEx Cup, but maybe some points in the Ryder Cup standings. And that happens at the end of next month. Whistling Straits, Haven, Wisconsin, on U.S. soil. And right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, the USA is the favorite at minus 180. Your parting shot last week, Cam Rogers, on the morning after was bet the house on Team USA for the Ryder Cup. Do you feel that strongly this week?
4: I really do. I really do, guys. USA minus 180 on FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Europe is plus 170. I'm all in on the U.S. I mean, we're talking about elite, elite American players right now with the likes of Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. And I just challenge everybody out there to juxtapose the two lists that we have with the U.S. compared to Europe. And when you look at Europe, John Rahm is number one in the standings. OK, I get it. He's an elite player, perhaps number one in the world right now. I'll have to check the rankings. Number two is Tommy Fleetwood. And I'm just like, OK, Tommy Fleetwood really hasn't played all that well this year. I know Paul Casey is there, Matt Fitzpatrick, Bernhard Wiesberger. But I'm getting to the point where, you know, the talent just really drops off, in my opinion. And so for the Ryder Cup side of things, I am so in on America. I just think the talent differential is way too large as we stand. And, of course, continue to watch the FedEx Cup playoffs, see how these guys do. Rory and Victor Hovland and Tyrell Hatton, et cetera. But, again, the differential in talent is certainly too wide for me to go in a different direction than America right now.
1: Only a couple of minutes left, Cam. And I did see that there was a picture posted of Tiger Woods. And he was just in the last couple of weeks, a picture resurfaced of Tiger with his walking boot on. What have you heard about Tiger and a potential return to the tour?
4: Yeah, guys. So he goes out to L.A. quite often now because, of course, that's where the accident happened, right? So his doctors know from the beginning how things went. So he goes out there and check up on them and do his valuations if you will all spirits are good right now but i think it's going to take some time for him to come back to the pga tour perhaps mid 2023 maybe for the masters 2023 and i think that's honestly guys best case scenario he's walking he's moving he's obviously on crutches as well but he's still doing it gingerly right and so it's going to take some time for him to just get back to the mundane things in life let alone swinging a sand wedge you know what i mean so I think he's taking it day by day, but the biggest thing is his mentality. And I will tell you this, he does not want to go out with that car crash. He wants to return to the PGA Tour, be an elite player again. Can he get there? I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, he's going to want to do it, and he's going to try.
1: Well, it's the beauty of golf because it's a lifelong sport and Tiger Woods, he's a champion. So I'm sure he does not want to go out that way. Cam Rogers, you're a champion too. Thanks for coming on with us and always breaking down at the FanDuel Sportsbook lines for the PGA and the Wyndham Championship coming up this week. Good luck to your bets.
4: Thank you, guys. Talk to you next week.
1: Coming up next, Ben and I are going to close out the show. We have our best bets of the day coming up until bet do us part. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Arielle Epstein. It's our final segment coming up next. Stay right here on the grid final segment on the morning after on sports grid thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens I'm Ariel Epstein it's time for our best bets of the day let's get to to, bet to us part. the Detroit Tigers are road favorites at the Baltimore Orioles the Orioles are up against Tariq Skubal of the Tigers who's a left-handed pitcher Team totals against Google when he's on the road this year has averaged just over six runs per game. When it comes to the Orioles at home, they're the home for the most overs in Major League Baseball, hitting the over in about 64% of their games. In the second half of this season, the Orioles are averaging just over five runs per game at home. I'm going to say over Orioles team total of four and a half runs. Ben, what do you got?
2: Arielle, frankly, I'm getting a little tired of betting baseball. My baseball bets have not been great. Sure, Freddie Peralta hit yesterday, but the White Sox went under their team total. I said take the over. So we're going to shift our focus. We're going to go to Vegas, and we're going to go to the NBA Summer League. I have highly embedded moles in Las Vegas right now that are giving me the inside scoops on various rosters across the Summer League, and one they highlight is is the Memphis Grizzlies. Not because they have some stud rookie out there, although their top 10 pick in Zaire Williams out of Stanford is a part of this Summer League team, but because they have NBA experience in young guys on this roster. You could look at Desmond Bain. You could look at Xavier Tillman, two guys that contributed to a playoff team last year. Desmond Bain had 32 points in the Grizz's opener in Summer League. Today, the Grizz take on the Miami Heat Summer League roster. Memphis is favored by three and a half. I saw it earlier this morning at one. One and a half in favor of Memphis. It has gone up. I still like it at this number at three and a half. So the Grizzlies minus three and a half against the Miami Heat in NBA Summer League. Because why not? I'm getting tired of baseball.
1: That's hilarious, and I'm all for you betting on summer league. I will not. I am done with the NBA. I will bet on Major League Baseball until I'm blue in the face. The NBA could wait until 2023 to start up again. But for Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Thanks for joining us here on the Morning After on Sports Grid. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Grid. Coming up next, stay here for more great Sports Grid programming and always getting you the edge.
2: Remember, you can listen to Sports.